Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, we're discussing the updated guidance, comprehensive guidance for human embryology, andrology, and endocrinology laboratories, management and operations, a committee opinion. Here to guide us in this discussion is Dr. Sangeeta Jindal, who is professor and IVF lab director, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, the Bronx, New York, Montefiore's Institute for Reproductive Medicine and Health, and is the president-elect the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology, also known as SART. Dr. Jindal, welcome back to ASRM Today. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. So this is, this is a huge document. This is, this is quite the thing. We're going to put the link in our show notes so people can go to the website and look at it and take their time and sort of as they will with it. But I, I want to start by asking you, so this is an update, but why update this document now in 2022? Yes, that's a a very good question. So this document is updated from 2008. It is very overdue. Um, And because it's such a comprehensive document, it has been a a heavy lift, I would say, to undertake the update. And so it's taken a while and it's been overdue for a while. But it's important because since 2008, there have been many, many technological advances and changes in best practices in the IVF lab, which does encompass embryology, andrology, and fertility hormone testing. So this guidance was updated by thought leaders from the Society for Reproductive Biologists and Technologists, as you know, is an affiliate society within ASRM. And it's both uh, from private practice and academic practice uh, labs that these um, embryologists and lab directors participated. So then why is this document, you know, so you said it's been such a long time, I mean, other than that we never want to go too long updating anything, what sort of importance does this document have for everyone? This time, it's incredibly important because we are experiencing a really severe shortage of both lab directors and lab staff across the U.S. And the way that labs are structured and the way that they are staffed is under scrutiny. Clinics and laboratories are seeking this guidance for a required minimum standard in order to ensure patient safety and staff safety. Also, this document can serve as a template for the accrediting agencies to guide the requirements for staffing, both education and experience and staff volume per cycle volume in each laboratory. Well, then, then who regulates the IVF labs in the United States? That's a bit of a complicated question. I'll try and simplify it. So uh, clinical labs that do testing that actually report patient results are regulated federally by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, through CLIA. And CLIA is the Clinical Laboratory Improvement Amendments. So what this really means is that semen analysis and fertility hormone testing fall under CLIA. And CLIA is regulated at the state level. Embryology labs, which are therapeutic, not diagnostic, do not fall under CLIA, but fertility clinics that are SART members must have an embryology lab that is accredited either by the College of American Pathologists or by the Joint Commission. Also federally, the FDA regulates all third-party reproduction and different states across the U.S. may have additional requirements for tissue bank licensing, certification of staff, additional inspections, et cetera. 
that's covering a lot of the background here. So what then are the main updates that people can look forward to in this in this document from 2008 to now 2022? So the document is very comprehensive and, and I know it can be overwhelming for the reader when I do urge them to read the sections, you know, the actual text. However, I would draw the reader's attention to the two main tables that have been updated and are in the document. So I know you don't want to get too in the weeds with this, but could you just tell us a little bit about what does table one show? Yep. Table one describes embryology, lab staff, minimal requirements for education, training, and experience. And it breaks down the requirements for all different categories of staff from lab supervisor all the way down to embryology trainee. And again, specifically, it addresses minimum requirements for education, training, and experience. I think what the important takeaway from table one is that the embryology lab supervisor should have the experience and education required of a technical supervisor by the American Board of Bioanalysis, regardless of whether their lab director is on-site or off-site. Accreditation by the ABB as a technical supervisor in embryology is recommended, but not required for the lab supervisor and the lab director. And accreditation can be such a such a touchy subject for so you know for so many. Um, well, then what does Table Two show? So Table Two is an update from the 2008 document, and it has updated recommended lab staffing volumes based on cycle volume. So I thought I might provide some examples. So a retrieval cycle is counted as one cycle, and a frozen thawed embryo cycle or an FET is counted as one cycle. So if a lab does 100 retrievals per year and 200 FETs per year, then the total volume is 300 cycles per year. And for 300 cycles per year, the laboratory should have three to four embryologists. Importantly also, I should mention that this number does not include lab directors, lab assistants, or andrologists. So to segue then away from the tables, and this is all very important, again, people can click on a show, uh, the link in the show notes, and we can, they can get this uh, better visual of that. So, so what generally then is, is reviewed in this document? Right. So there are three laboratories that are addressed. It's not just embryology. It's also andrology and fertility hormone testing or endocrinology. So for all three labs, uh, such things are covered as document control, lab sanitation, um, employee competency and development, proficiency testing, lab safety, disaster preparedness, lab space and design, and patient reports. And then the document goes into specifics for each laboratory under the categories of instrumentation, supplies and reagents, staffing, quality control, patient identification and traceability. And then, of course, each and every procedure in detail is covered. So you can see it's a very comprehensive document. And I really appreciate your time being able to come on the show today. I know that, again, this is, this is a lot to unpack, but this is so important. Do you have any takeaway message or, or maybe takeaway points that you would like the audience to know before they go click on this link and go and, and read this, this very important revision? Yes, I actually, I would say that the reader should take three 
uh, messages away from this document. So number one is that fertility clinics that are members of SART must have an accredited embryology lab. These labs are highly regulated and comply with national as well as state and local requirements. Number two, I would say lab staffing must be adequate for IVF cycle volume. The staffing recommendation has been updated to reflect increased complexity and time requirements per cycle. Adequate staffing is so important in order to avoid staff burnout, to ensure coverage during emergencies, and to ensure appropriate responses to alarms, which can be day or night. And last but not least, I would say the diagnostic andrology and fertility hormone testing labs follow clear requirements, which includes uh, requirements for personnel and for test reporting. My guest today has been Dr. Sangeeta Jindal. Thank you so, so much for coming on. She has been guiding us through the Comprehensive Guidance for Human Embryology, Andrology, and Endocrinology Laboratories Management and Operations, a committee opinion. It is currently up on the website. Click on the link in the show notes. Go look at this. Read it break it down, have arguments over dinner. Who knows how, how it will go. But uh, thank you so much for being able to come back on the show today. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much for asking me. Fantastic. Uh, you can rate, subscribe, leave messages about the show uh, through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, however you want to do it. Or you can email us, asrm at asrm.org. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.